Good morning and welcome everyone to uh, a continuation of our uh, episode from last week. Um, we had a few technical issues last week and we're going to continue the discussion with, with Mark. Um, and I, without further sort of trying to recap on everything we did, did, uh, did to an extent last week, I think we had a really solid discussion, Mark. And I want to sort of just continue with that conversation. And uh, But maybe let's start with a particular uh, topic. One of the things is the... Is, is sort of the method in which you engage with new um, people that you talk to. So let's say someone picks up the phone, has starts a conversation with you, or, I mean, these days it's LinkedIn or LinkedIn. they slide into your DM, I think they call it, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, they come to you and they say, hey, Mark, you know what, we need a bit of help. So what is your process? Sort of take me through that and then, and let's sort of unpack that a little bit because I want to also talk about how do you how do you continue once you've once you've started. Um, let, let's start there. Okay. Well, you're, you're right. Um, I, I tend to post a lot of articles on LinkedIn, and and um, I get I get quite a few comments uh, and inquiries from from those articles. Um, typically, what will happen is somebody will pick up on. Uh, a point I made. Um, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I posted an article on growth from from a point of view of sort of stalled growth with an organisation. Uh, this guy rang me up and said he'd got a business. It had been going for a while. We, we talked about what he what he does. Uh, it'd been going for a while and it wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't wasn't growing. Um, so we had a general discussion about what he thought the business was, um, uh, what he thought the value of that business was to the, the, the target market, and in fact, what his target market was. Um, and we, it's, it's, the initial part of it is a general discussion on where they think the business is and where it's going. Um, and I try and understand, I try and understand their vision of where they want the business to be and then back it off to where they currently are and see if we can find a way of filling that filling that gap or bridging that gap um and, and it's 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 a conversation about i mean typically i'm working with founders or business leaders and they will say that they want the business to i mean one guy said to me i want a 20 billion 20 million pound business with four million EBITDA and i said and that's your vision is it and he said, yes. And I said, so where, how are you going to get there? What would your business look like at that point? And he said, oh, well, I'll have a lot more staff and a lot more people and a lot more customers. Um, and when I looked into it, he actually had a solid, I stress, solid little business. Um, but he was working with his own network, within his own mm -hmm. contact base. And he had no methodology of taking it outside of that I suppose for, for one of a better term, comfort zone, right? So it was a case of working out what his value proposition was. And quite often there is a, there is a, a misalignment between what the founder thinks the value proposition, excuse me, value proposition is and what his market thinks it is, hmm. right? And, and that can mean, that can give you um, a real conflict in your any marketing you do. Because you're marketing it as X and the customer wants to buy Y, right? It's not going to work. And you'd be surprised. You may, Well, you may not be surprised, but uh, I'm continually surprised at how many organizations don't talk to their customers and don't say, why do you buy my product, right? What do you use it for, right? What's the value you get from that product? Um, and then refine their offering to meet those needs. They don't do it. I spoke to, a, I worked on a turnaround with a company that their founder believed that the product did X, Y, and Z. Mm. And I sold it to some, a number of people, um, but they didn't buy for X, Y, and Z. They bought it for A, B, and C. But he was convinced that X, Y, and Z was the way to go and he'd market it aggressively and he would get no growth, no feedback, right? And and he just didn't get any sales. But he was he was sitting there really perturbed saying, well, ex this, these companies have bought it and are using it. So why isn't it selling to everybody else? 
And I said, go and talk to the companies. Go and understand why they use it, how they use it, mm. what the value is. And, and that's part of the process that I go through. Um, on, to answer your question, on an ongoing basis, what I try and do is, again, founders don't realize that they so launch a product, they'll launch product A, and, mm. and it'll sell, and it'll be fine. And then sales start to dip, right? And they don't know why. But what they need to do is constantly review the alignment of the product to the market. And on an ongoing basis with these people, sometimes it's it's a meeting every couple of weeks. Sometimes it's a phone call. And it's, it's simply a case of, are you talking to your customers? What are they saying? What's your feedback? Do you need to amend, tweak, pivot your offering? To meet that and, and a lot of people don't do that so what i try and do is once we've got them on the right track and more importantly on the right methodology of reviewing the relevance of their product then i i sort of nudge them goad them cattle prod them sometimes to keep, <laughs> to keep on that on that review process hmm. yeah no, question yeah it's a very good question because what I've what I've realized, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a, a concept at you and 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 get get your feedback. I mean, a lot of times you can read about the stuff, and I mean, there's a lot of information written about marketing and so on. But if you look at at a um, at marketing as a uh, let's call it let's call it um, a discipline. Um, yeah. And in in terms of marketing as a discipline, one of the key things that I've I've noticed is is and I've done it myself. I mean, in in the businesses I've had, um, is you tend to get a product or service. You you go out and you start to sell that product or service. Um, you start with a, let's call it close proximity, or you get a handful of customers, and and then you get into this sort of this this challenge between making new sales and then de uh, then delivering on those sales. Um, and then dealing with sort of customer complaints or customer issues or, 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 or whatever the additional things are. Then when you get to a point uh, where you start stabilizing the business, what happens is you get to a point where all you end up doing is you're just adding on to the, the customer base. So you have a, an amount of churn. So you'll have customers falling off. And then you'll acquire new customers. So you have a customer adding in and, and hopefully you're acquiring more customers than you're losing. But in essence, you the business plateaus. It ends up uh, at a particular level. So now you start saying, okay, I want to bring in things like upsells and cross-sells and potentially all these other sort of fancy things and 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 sort of expand on, on my 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 customer base because the 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 problem with a lot of sort of let's sort of businesses that are sort of startup and starting to get to that little bit of a scale position that i see is they get stuck at the customer acquisition step what they haven't worked out yet is what's the next level up because the more important thing is not the sell the sale of the product or service it's more about I now own a customer relationship. Yes. How do I better serve the customer relationship within the scope of what, you know, my core business and what I can do and what I can offer, but understand that the customer relationship is the key thing that you've won. They know, like, and trust you, I think is the, is the way people are speaking about it now. And if you think about, um, I'm, let's just say any any motor car manufacturer, for instance, as an example, I just want to just throw a, a, a sort of a, a theoretical thing out there, which is, if 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 I know I like, let's, I'm just going to punt a brand. Let's just call it, let's say Mercedes Benz, um, but I can't afford the the S S class. So I'll buy the entry level. I'll buy the little A class because I like the brand. I just can't afford the big, the big one. So what I can do is, is I could, as a customer, I go in and I, and I select the one I can afford and I might get um, some air conditioning and a sunroof and a bit of this and that. And those are all upsells and cross-sells, if you like. 
But what Mercedes-Benz have now done is they've captured me as a customer. Now, as I progress in, in my life and my career, I potentially will start earning more money. What Mercedes-Benz has to do is they have to make me feel part of a, uh, a group um, pretty much like Apple does in terms of a, what they call an ecosystem. And you keep selling now additional products. So, so what the, the concept here is, and a lot of businesses get this wrong or they miss it completely, is that once you own the customer relationship, you need to be thinking, what's the next level product or service I could be selling? Not upsell, because an upsell would be I buy an A-class with okay. air conditioning and a sunroof. That's an upsell. A cross-sell, I don't know, could be I have a, I don't know, whatever, JV, and I put in mags. I don't know, whatever these special wheels are that these guys do in a big exhaust pipe on a tiny little car. Anyway, um, but, you know, you the whole... You wouldn't do that on a Mercedes. No, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. But I'm just... I'm just I know um, what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, but but what what you need to be doing as Mercedes, you want to be saying, okay, you know what the next level up is is a is a C class or an E or a or an S, or if you really have have hit the the big time, buy the Mercedes, the Maybach, you know the the big sort of Rolls Royce equivalent. Yeah. Um, but that's the next level up. But what they what they know is they own you as a customer and the customer it's relationship. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, what Mercedes don't sell is cars. They sell a lifestyle. They sell a, a an image, right? I mean, I've I've driven Mercedes for the last eight years, ten years, right? Between you and I, and everybody who's listening, I'm not going to buy another one. But, um, but the 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 sort of the feeling of driving a Mercedes is more than the feeling of just driving the car, right? Mercedes is a, is a statement. It's a, um, I, I suppose it's part of an ego, part of a, uh, a persona, and that's what they sell, okay? The, the fact that they do great cars, I mean, I, I've got a, um, an SUV, and, and the, the quality of that is, is phenomenal. The, the build quality of the car, the quality of the car, but they, they, they push the, the, the lifestyle around it, the, the, the prestige of driving a Mercedes, right? And they push that very hard in the way they market it um, and the way they promote it. And, and that's what they sell. I mean, they've got the, the quality product behind that. But, I mean, if you look at a lot of, um, a lot of TV adverts for cars, they're not selling the car. They're selling what it's like to drive it, what it's like to be in it, what it's like. I mean, mm. that's the sort of stuff. I mean, um, Land Rover's new Defender, right? They show you that in in off-road scenarios with with mud up the wheels. And I mean, anybody buying a new car doesn't want it covered in mud, but that's they're selling they're selling a, a, a lifestyle. They're selling the adventure of that, right? Mm. Um, and and that they, they get that from talking to the customers. And to go back to your scenario about additional sales to, to a client, um, you, you have to talk to your client. I'm going back to this and I'm sort of drudging on about it, but you have to go back to your client and find out what they need from your product, what they need and what else they could need from your product, how the product could develop, right? And, and that's part of the sales process. Um, I did some work uh, with a colleague a while ago uh, with a, for a software company, and they'd launched this product in the ERP space. And we were talking to them because uh, we were working with a group that wanted to acquire them. Um, and cut a long story short, they'd got about 3,500 customers, um, and they'd all got this, this, piece, this piece of software deployed. It was slightly old school because it was on-premise rather than in the cloud, but they've got three and a half thousand installations, um, and this would have been a great fit for the um, uh, for the acquirer. Um, but what they've done is, in their effort to grab revenue, they've gone out and went to the customer and said, "What do you need from the product?" Right? And this is a cautionary tale. What do you need from the product? And they said, "Well, we'd like it to do this and this." So they said, "Okay, we'll do that." And they went to another customer and they wanted it to do something else. So they said, well, we'll do that. 
and they ended up with about 70% of their customer base was running a different version of the product. Um, they were losing support staff like it was going out of fashion. Um, we advised the acquirer not to buy them because it was just an impossible scenario. So there is listening to your customer, but there's also having a sense of reality behind that. So. Yeah, and, and it's also sticking to it. I can come back to the Mercedes example. I mean, they're not saying, oh, now we're going to do trailers um, and now yeah. we're going to do, um, I don't know, tents and caravans and um, and so on. So, so they stick they stick to their core business, but they are they adding levels at which you could go. And so, so my 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 question would be uh, to a, a client would be, you know, without uh, moving away from your core business, what is the next level product? Knowing now that you own the relationship with the customer, knowing that you need to be talking to your customer, I think it's a very valid point, and I'm glad that you're emphasizing it. Um, but you can't, you also can't have the tail wagging the dog. So the, yeah. it's also, it, it's also speaking to the right customer. Um, you also have to be speaking to customers that you like to deal with, that you want to deal with, and also share a lot of the, the common values and so on. So it also again, depends on the type of customer that you, that, that you got, you know, so if you can clearly identify and, and define who your real ideal customer is. And that's where that whole ICP, ideal customer profile and all that kind of stuff comes oh, yeah. in. Uh, but and but not speaking to the ones that are not really in line with where, where you want to go. Um, what, I, what I've tended to do in the past is to, to implement sort of user groups where you get somebody, typically in software, but you get people that are using the product and... Um, you, you get like minds around a table or around a Zoom screen. You manage the expectation that, you know, if, if a customer wants it, the whole product to be painted green, then you can't do that because that's the only person that would want it. So manage the expectations of what you can deliver. But, but try and establish a consensus for the direction that people want to take the product. Mm. Um, and if you work on that basis, then you can actually get assist almost assisted development in the in the direction of the of the product right now a word a gun, another word of caution um be careful that your contract with your your clients particularly in a software scenario is not constant free upgrades right i've seen this in the past where you know <laughs> they put a deal out there they sold the products they didn't think about the next stage they thought about maintenance upgrades but not functionality upgrades um, and everything was included in the price. So they were developing new functionality that they couldn't charge any extra for. Now, that will encourage the customers to be loyal, but you are missing a revenue stream. Yeah, and and and, and I suppose there's a very fine balance. Having been in software for, for a very long time is, is, you know, the customers can get highly annoyed at, you know, you're churning out a new version every year. Now I've got to not only pay the maintenance cost, but you're charging me for a new version, so it's a nice balance. Um, I, I like your your um, uh, your uh, mention of the user group um, uh, sessions, um, and, and I think there's there's a collaborative effort, especially software is is one of those environments where you could pretty much develop anything really if you think about it. If uh, you know, in whatever direction you go, um, what what I what I am uh, there's this there's this three there's this three word sentence that um makes me get the the shivers and that's the the it's called the can't you just you know can't you just add that or you know the you can't you just put a button over there so that i can you know and, and that's well, it drives me insane <laughs> i i'm with you entirely but if you're talking one-on-one -on -one to a customer and they say that right it's your decision that you're not going to do it right if you're in a user group and you're encouraging people to provide suggestions for the development of the product you've got the support of the peer group so if 90 percent of the peer group agree with this guy right you can just say well okay well that's functionality we haven't considered we'll put that in but we'd need to uplift the license fee by 10% to be able to do that. Are you on board with that? Right? And if they are, then great. 
right? But if, if this guy says, I want a button in the top right-hand corner and everybody else says, why? What do you need that for? No, that would spoil the aesthetics or it would impact the functionality. Then it's not you saying no, it's the user group saying no. User groups managed correctly can be very powerful. It can be incredibly powerful. And, and, and it's also, again, narrowing down. What I've noticed in the market at the moment is, is there's really been a lot more focus, a lot more niching of, of products. Um, and and the, the target market is narrowing. So, they, so, you know, they're very, very, very specific where you try and be too general. And I've seen this with a lot of the bigger name vendors. They start losing their way in terms of trying to do be, be too broad um and often um the the profits actually sit within niches but it's very very difficult to say to say no especially dealing with bigger and bigger entities you know if i'm if if you're at the sap level let's say you're doing an erp software uh, or an oracle level or so on or you write down at the zero or sage one or quickbooks level those are two different uh, spaces um, where what they do is they define, you know, um, we only bookkeeping, for instance, QuickBooks and, and so on, where SAP say, what do you want? You know, we, we give you a blank system. Let's configure it the way you want. <laughs> yeah, but when the license fee is millions per annum, you can afford to do whatever you want, right? But, I mean, even, even <clears throat> I've seen even the likes of, well, my experience, Salesforce, right, have been asked to make changes by big clients and they've said no, right? That would impact the functionality of the business. And and, and I've seen them say no, but when, when you've got the, the power and the weight of an organization like Salesforce, you can say no, right? In so, the early days, I'm sure they had to say, they had to oh, say yes, and I'm sure that it's changed into... <laughs> I'm not sure where the line is where you go from saying yes we'll do that if everybody else wants it to no we don't want to do that right. but i don't know where that where you draw the line whether you're right. i know where it's almost like when do you become the gorilla in the room as opposed to every everyone else um yes um i want to i want to touch on a on another concept which um which i've been applying and i've been thinking about considerably especially over the last few years and that is it's a concept of um rethinking the the actual sales uh, process well let's call it the customer journey um yeah. or the the engagement journey with 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 customers and clients and and what i'm seeing with myself and 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 with clients of mine is that when we reframe it in in this way that i'm going to share with you now it, it moves away from a linear process. I mean, we we grew up, I mean, if you look at the meat and potatoes again of the of the of the sales industry, you know, when we first started selling, I mean, you go and you do the cold calling and you knock on doors and whatever it is, and 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 then you go through this process of trying to build rapport and 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 over time you get an opportunity to do it, a quotation estimate or pitch or something like that. And then you go through a bit of a decision hoop and, and then you might close, depending on the gestation period, obviously the product and service you're selling, et cetera. And then once you've signed, then you generally hand it over to operations or someone else then to take care of delivery. Or if you're the sales guy that's got the stuff in the boot, you literally go and fetch it and you, and you hand it over. I've been, I've been there. Like... You've, you've been there. Yeah, I've been so, there. So that's a linear process. I mean, you knock on as many doors as possible, and it's a linear, it's a linear process. Now, in today's environment, there's a there's a there's a massive shift to to things like content first, um, the the squiggly nature in which uh, let's call it I'm, I'm going to call it spaghetti nature in which people buy. Yeah. So, you know, if you go and buy a, a set of uh, tires for your car, I'm going to go back to cars again. Um, but you go and look, you walk into a store and you say, look, I need uh, four new new tires for my vehicle. Um, and they, they, they call up on their systems and they say, okay, this size, that size, and they give you a quotation. You literally hardly even leave the store and you, you take your phone and you Google comparative qu quotes. Yeah. 
And then you might see another store and you say, oh, you know what, I'm actually going to pop in there. Or you go online and you fill in your details there. And you almost the, the journey now is customer driven, client driven in terms of building up the knowledge and skill of a particular purchase, especially the bigger purchases you want. I mean, you're not going to do that with a can of beans. I mean, you're going to walk down the aisle and you're grab the beans, whatever you see is, you know, appeals to you. But with bigger purchases, the, the, there's a spaghetti nature of, of in which people buy. So they, they have these various touch points and they might come back to something. They might save it, uh, bookmark it, um, you know, like the page, whatever it is and so on. So there's a, there's a lot more content for it. So, so the, the, there's really just three steps in, 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 my, in, in my mind where three major sort of, let's call it buckets. Bucket one is, is let's call it an, an engine, a tension engine, where you have to get attention first. So how do you get attention in today's world? I mean, in the, in the old sales world, we, we, made, we, we did interruption selling, didn't we? I mean, we were <laughs> you're like, I don't care if you're busy. I'm on the phone. I want to speak to you. I'm the sales guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but now these days, you know, you, you can't necessarily interrupt um, people. So because they get annoyed and so on and so forth. And, and, and you're actually already starting off on a negative. So what you're doing with your posting and all that, I mean, that's, that is pretty much, that's, let's call it your attention engine. That's the first part of it. Um, so I just quickly want to run through the, the three different buckets, and then I want to get your opinion on it. So number one is attention engine. So it's, um, it's almost expertise first, if you like. You share knowledge, experience. Uh, uh, I mean, pretty much like this podcast or blog posting or your website or you go do networking, uh, you do do talks maybe, uh, and so on. As you you get content out there, and you you show expertise first. Then the second bucket is a portion that I think is ne heavily neglected, and that's that what um, we basically term as a sort of what we call a relationship bridge. The difference between being getting the attention. And the relationship bridges is how do you bridge the attention into yeah. having the sales conversation? And then the third bucket is no longer just a sales pitch conversation anymore. It is when you're doing your sales process, you're, you're having conversations and demonstrations and in software and so on. And the engagement part of the sales process Again, often is a is a it's 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 free, um, and you you're giving away information, expertise, and knowledge. You could be using uh, information gathering software. We love to do the you know the needs analysis and and all the other things on the um, business requirements specification and the uh, software requirement and the, and the functionality requirement specification. We we can go crazy with specifications and. And we can build like all this and bring in pre-sales and we build demos and proofs of concepts. And I mean, I got, it pretty much goes crazy. But a lot of that often is unpaid. And yeah. the, 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 the sales engagement process is, has now become an educational process. And you are now potentially up against three or four or five competitors that are doing the same thing. So, so if I just break, just just repeat. So, number one is the attention engine, where you're putting information out there and getting, showing your expertise, displaying your ability, but you getting attention for someone to engage. You got the relationship bridge in the middle. Is how do you take sort of um, loads of information out there and bridge it into into what you're currently doing, um, and then the sales. Uh, engine, if you like, or the conversion engine, let's call it the conversion engine, is, is no longer just creating a quotation uh, and getting it signed off or doing an extensive RFP and signing it off. There are interviews, there's demonstrations, there's a whole lot of things. And then once you've signed someone up, by the time you've done that, especially in the world of software and especially high-level software, what you end up doing is they would have already engaged in the implementation team. 
They would have spoken to the project managers. They would have spoken to a whole lot of people that will be part of the service team and 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 so on. Okay, so I've I've given you a very long long speech yeah, here, but, yeah. but 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 those three buckets. Um, when I look at a business now, I look at the business in terms of those three buckets, and where I find the hugest gap is they don't have enough content. So they need to build out content. But the hugest gap for me is the relationship bridge is once they've got attention. In other words, someone has put up their hand and said, hey, Mark, I need to speak to you. So now you have a chat, but you know very well as the receiving as someone that's phone, they they speaking to five or six other people. They are watching two or three hours worth of YouTube videos. They are going online and they're finding, you know, websites and so on. By the time they get to the sales process or you get to the sales process, that relationship bridge, if you haven't done that part properly, you don't get into the sales conversation. No, no, not at all. Not at all. So where I find the gap often with a lot of business, in my, in my observation, is, is the relationship bridge. It's, it's when the lead comes in, what do we do to cultivate that relationship and build a relationship and then get them into buying stage? Because they might not be ready to buy right now. So what are we doing right now to build the, the relationship before you get into sales conversations? Um, what what is your opinion? I know it's a long it's a long sort of thing, but but the, I mean, the, the, the three the three buckets are important to me. I, I think I, the, I think in, in the sales process the power has shifted. Right, you're no longer talking to um, uninformed customers that want product X. Right, you've now got very well informed customers that not sure whether they want product X or product Y or a mixture of the two or whatever they want. They don't know that. And that's why they're digging mm. and that's why they think. So <clears throat> there's an old saying, and I forget where it's from, but you know, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you do, but you're trying to sell to me, right? That never works. So the, the way, the way I approach it is that I have to establish credibility in what my services are. I'm talking very personally now. Um, mm. I, what I say, what I what I communicate, what I share, and you have to be willing to take, excuse me, take the LinkedIn example. There's so many people say, I've, I've seen your profile and you look really interesting, I'd like to connect. So you go, okay, I'll connect. I, you know, I like what you do, I, I've seen your, your profile, so you connect, and then bang, you've got a sales pitch, right? And that's the quickest turn off there is. So. <laughs> You have to establish some credibility, and and LinkedIn is a, for want of a better term, it's a social platform. So mm. you, I share information with the idea of sharing information, not with the idea of getting a sales lead, right? I share um, knowledge, I share experiences. I'm running a, a a series at the moment, which is lessons learned, which is just saying. These are things I've discovered in, in my career. These are things that situations I've come across and now I've handled them, right? So I'm sharing this content with people on the basis that they'll understand where I'm coming from. They'll have an understanding of, of my potential contribution if they have a, a requirement, right? And it will initiate a conversation. And, and for me, it works. And we get into conversations and, again, you know, people will say, yeah, well, I have a need for that. And you say, yeah, great, I can do that. And I charge £2,000 a day and uh, I'll come and see you tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. You have to, <laughs> this is the, the, the second bucket for you, mm. right? You have to demonstrate that you have an understanding of what they're trying to do. And you have to, you have to dig for what they're looking for, right? Now, I, I talk to lots of people and, in, you know, in some cases I say, you know, I can't help, guy. I'm sorry, it's not my area. I can't help. I suggest you do this or talk to this person, right? But that establishes the, the relationship and the credibility. I, I turned down a client about a year ago. Um, he'd got a particular problem, and I said I couldn't help him with it at all. I gave him some suggestions on what to do, but I said, he said, well, send me a proposal. I said, no, it's not what I do. It's not 
I can't help you, right? Um, and he came back about nine months later and said, I've got another problem, right? Can you help with this? And I said, we went through it. And I said, yes. I said, but why did you come back? He said, because you demonstrated honesty and integrity by turning me down. He said, to be honest, I, if you'd have made me a pitch, I'd have bought from you. He said, but I said, but it wouldn't have worked. He said, no. And I'd have ended up feeling upset with you and upset with me. And I said, you know, I can help where I can help. Right. Mm -hmm. But to me, the, the, the key attribute, and I say then that people must get fed up with me on LinkedIn, but there are so many things that so many posts that these bloody polls on LinkedIn that say, what's the best attribute of a leader or, and, and they've got resilience and vision and direction. And, and I say, integrity, integrity is key. And if I think if you demonstrate integrity, then you can build relationships with people, right? Mm. And, you know, you, you, you made the point that people you talk to probably aren't ready to buy. No, they're probably not. You know, getting somebody that has a requirement for what you offer at the time you want to sell it to them, right, is, is, is a fluke, right? Um, if you can build a relationship where you are the you're the in their thought process, they they understand you what you've done and what you what you're capable of from the content that you've built up and the relationship that you've built up. Then when they're ready to buy, they'll come to you. Now they may still be going to other people, right? But you're on the list, and and they <coughs> they know you and know what you can offer. So that's mm. your your second stage. Right. Uh, again, I've, I've waffled and I'm not sure I answered your question. No, no. I think I think you, you, you've you very much on, on track. And I think that that LinkedIn example is a, is a great example. And and I think that's where I'm finding the biggest gap in the market where people are misunderstanding that you may have got attention. So it's it's like um, I, I, I reach out to you, Mark, and I say, hey, Mark, um, I like your profile. Um, shall we connect? Uh, you know, we share common interests and yeah. you say yes. Now, it takes a lot of effort and energy to say, you know what, Mark, I, what I was thinking was here's something of interest I thought that might might be of value to you or here is, you know, here is a connection or an introduction to somebody that you might, might, uh, might be useful to you in your network or something that adds value to you to your life, and that whole that whole relationship step, the relationship bridge. You got attention. You got a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Okay. You post things on LinkedIn. You've got the connection, but now instead of just going straight out for the sale because you're missing out the bridge, you know, it's like trying to cross over this huge I don't know gorge, yeah. <laughs> mountain to mountain. And you haven't built yourself a bridge. You, you can't get to sales before you do the bridge. Now, for 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 SMEs, for for smaller businesses, and even for mid-sized entities, larger businesses tend to get this done better. But I must say, you know, maybe I shouldn't mention names, but I mean, I, an example. I I, I did a, a thing for, with Oracle, and um, I, I keep getting. I mean, there was this proliferation of Oracle posts. Uh, in 2021 or tw in LinkedIn, it was just like crazy. I mean, every third post was a was something about Oracle, and it was like download the, the you know these PDFs and you know how to run a small business and how I mean you you got software that's you're paying like thousands of pounds for and they wanted want startup businesses to buy it. But anyway, I mean, that's a different story. But I'm totally missing their market, but they were they were bombarding the the social platform. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get. It. I mean, I'm actually I actually do re I, I resell Oracle, so I'm probably slandering them as I go. But I said, okay, I'm going to give it a test, right? And I and I clicked the link and I filled in the form and I said, okay, let me see how they build a relationship with me as a as a potential prospect. And a week later somebody phoned me said I'd, i i've noticed that that you've come on to um our, our form and you filled it in and and i just want to find out sort of sort of what your needs now this is a week later this is not the same day even or even within the hour 
This is a week later. I said, yes, yes, I'm, I'm quite keen. So I'm now role-playing, right? So I'm saying, okay, um, I'm quite keen to sort of hear out what you've got to say and so on. He says, look, what I'll do is I'll get back to you. Um, I've just got to arrange a, you know, someone to be able to do a demo and a this and a that, and, and uh, I'll be in touch. I'm still waiting. You're still waiting, yeah. So, so, and maybe it just was a bad, you know, uh, the guys were having a bad day. All I'm saying is that if, if, if they do that as a company, as a big company, I mean, they, and, and they're getting a lot of business purely because of name and brand that they built up over many, many years. But as a smaller business, you can't be affording to do that. You've got to, if somebody puts up their hand and says, hey, Mark, you know, I'm interested in what you do. Let's have a conversation. You can't say, oh, you know what? I'll get back to you next week sometime and uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it goes, you know. So w where I find the gap is the relationship bridge. So it's about collecting the information, communicating properly, rapidly, appropriately, and making sure you don't do your pitch too quickly, but rather use that as the bridge Build a strong enough bridge before you start your engagement, unless they are insistent they want to buy something right now, which, like you mentioned, is a fluke often. Yes, <laughs> but it's build a bridge. Yeah. I mean, it, it's what, what I find is I, I get clients that come to me and say, um, We've got a problem with our sales force. Can you help the sales force? Right. And I said, Oh, and I, and I think, yeah, I could say, yeah, I have your sales force. I've got a sales training program. I'll come in. I'll do your sales training for you. I'll train your sales people. I'll train your managers how to manage them, right? The problem is that in a lot of cases, the problem isn't the sales force, right? Or it may not be the sales force. And, and you have to get to that relationship to say, hang on, guys. I spoke to your sales team, a couple of them. They're good guys, right? There's something else wrong. No, there isn't. Right, and we go through that process, and the, the without that bridge, I will never find out that their problem is a misaligned product or the wrong target market or whatever. And <coughs> <coughs> um, share something with you. I was talking to um, a law firm about a year ago, um, a regional law firm, and they wanted to broaden their reach. <coughs> They wanted to, they were dealing with a number of decent sized clients, but they wanted to add additional clients at the bottom end of their, their sort of customer profile. Um, and what we did was we started a campaign on social media, but we started a campaign to reach out to um, small businesses uh, in the area, in the target areas they had. Um, and we ran briefings we ran briefings on company formation we ran briefings on growth which is the stuff i did we ran briefings on on marketing we ran briefings on sort of shareholding uh we ran briefings on share option schemes we, we ran they were only breakfast briefings it, you know it was 20 people in a room with 25 croissants and two gallon of coffee right but we had full attendance at most of these and and the, the the strategy was that yes we could give free advice to these people and we, we did a number of of one-on-ones if just for 10 minutes they'd say i've got a question question i've got an employee that is is a problem what, what can i do what, what how do i go we did that and the logic was that um as these businesses grew they would need a lawyer and which lawyer would they go to They'd go to the lawyer that gave them the advice and, and gave them the opportunity to ask questions, um, and and that is that's proven mm -hmm. to be the case. I mean, they're not they're not picking up every one of the businesses that came, but particularly the the, the ones that are growing, and the ones that are growing fast, they're picking up, right? And that was because they invested in the attention grabbing through the social media and building the bridge through the the, the webinars and giving some giving some value to these people without saying, and that would be 600 pound, please. Right. I mean, it took a while to get the managing department to sign off on the, uh, the sort of time spent by three, three lawyers in a, 
um, a non-billing situation, but he's he's very happy with it now. Um, mm. It's going very nicely. So it, it it is about building building trust, demonstrating integrity, and building that relationship. Because only by doing that can you find out what they need, really, mm. and also give them the confidence to talk to you about what they need. Yeah, so 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 we've covered two 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 aspects here in in, in, to, in today's session, and and the, the one was speak to your existing customers so yeah. you could better serve them, so you could better uh, develop and grow what they need. Um, but also, when you are speaking to leads and prospects and people that have reached out but are not ready to buy. And it's 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 about understanding where they are in terms of their buyer journey. It's also understanding where they are in terms of their thinking, yeah. um, the options they have, uh, and 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 really trying to say, okay, how do I add value to your life without expecting anything in return? And and if 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 the company concentrates a lot more on the bridge, the sale, my experience. Absolutely. Totally, yeah. I, I mean, it's a case. It's it's probably a, an overworked term, but you you've obviously got sales pipeline, which is you know a, a sort of number of people that you're talking to about buying your product. But as I said about about timing, there are going to be people that will want to buy, but at some stage in the future, right? If they make an inquiry of you, right, and they and you say right now, I, I can tell you this. Well, we're not ready to buy yet. You go, okay, come back when you are. Bye. And move on to the next one. That's a mistake. You need something called a nurture pipeline, which is to say, yeah, I know you're, you're going to buy something. Well, you say to yourself, I know they're going to buy at some point. I'll just keep them on the radar and I'll just keep drip feeding them information. No, not asking for the sale, but just keep drip feeding the information and building up mind share so that when they are ready to buy, you are one of, if not the top person on their list to talk to to buy it. But it is all about relationships. People buy from people, which is an overworked adage, but they do. I love it. So, so it was worth sitting uh, and in, indulging me with my long explanation of my three buckets. And the three buckets, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, I'm 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 really driving quite hard on those three buckets because I find that that's the easiest way for me to explain the importance of the three different clear stages in the buyer journey today yeah we had i mean if you, you spoke about salesforce earlier i mean if you look at the 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 static one-dimensional you know series-based pipeline that you would do in a salesforce crm for instance you know it's stage one you know uh meeting one <laughs> meeting two proposal um yeah. and so on it's like that is like that is so dated now it is just it blows your mind so when you need to have proper marketing automation you need to have proper nurture sequences you have to be able to have the ability to collect information much earlier than you know step one you know meeting one you know that that's 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 way down the line um in terms of the process it is totally right um, but I mean, I, you know, you're right. I've drawn enough of those sort of sales funnels, funnels many years ago with, with the process, going through the process. But the, the, the change now is that the top end of the process, what feeds this sausage machine, right, is becoming more and more important and more and more critical to it because people have to realize they are selling into a, an informed market. A market that is has the information they have is accessible to them. They'll go onto LinkedIn, and the number of clients I talk to that that I complain about their LinkedIn profile, and they say, "Well, it don't matter. I'm talking to the client. It's okay." I said, "The first thing you get when you talk to a client, I know it because I do it, right? If I talk to a client, the first thing I do <coughs> is look them up on LinkedIn." Right, and I look them on LinkedIn, and I look about the business, and I look about the employees, and I drill down to their employees, um, and that that to me is initial research, right? And if, if there's if there are bad elements in that, hmm. right, then 
um, then there's a negative there. And, and you, you have to make sure that your credibility is there, your integrity is there, and you build a relationship with these people before you can sell to them. Yeah, and, and I want to just maybe mention one other thing that, uh, and because we're coming to the end of the hour, and I'm, I just, Mark, you know, and that is that is reputation management online um and i think reputation management is it, it, it we used to worry about reputation in different ways um in in you know let's call it in 15 20 30 years ago as opposed to now i mean you spoke exactly now about online reputation management it is what have you got posted where are you posted? I mean, when, when I look at the, I use different different tools these days. Um, but you can quite easily um, initiate a tool online and see wherever your company name, your own name, your employees' names, um, and any identification uh, elements of your company. You know, are your addresses correct? You know, have you have these sites because there are these aggregates or scraping sites mm. out there um i mean yelp and these ones are probably examples of them that would go and 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 just do scraping of the internet and 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 uploading what they see as a database in order to generate traffic but your data there might be old or wrong or it might be something that is is really badly put together that it gives gives out the wrong impression. Yeah. So the one of the tools I use uh, immediately within and well immediately within 24 hours you know exactly out of 172 of the most common um, aggregate sites where your information is what they're saying, what your address, telephone numbers, and all your contact numbers are, and what other profile information is that they're putting out there, which may or may not be, and, and I'm going to use a really big word, and that's congruent. <laughs> and and, and, the, and the, the, the thing about the internet right now and, and reputation management is congruency in, in my yes. mind. Totally. You've got to have a completely congruent because people are going to search and they're going to find you in different places. And if the messaging is different, yeah, you're in trouble. Well, I mean, I, I, I say to people, one of the critical things they need to do if they're trying to grow a business is to align their messaging. So their messaging on their personal LinkedIn profile, the messaging on their website, the messaging on their social media, the messaging on their content has to be consistent. Because if it's not, right, you've, you've got a weak point. That's the weak link in the chain. Mm. But I'd also like to say something else, um, and this may be a little controversial, but you, you have to be careful, right? These days people take offence at a whole range of things. And, you know, you could be sitting on your personal profile. And I, I saw a guy the other day, <coughs> um, quite a sort of serious business guy, but he came out in support of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, whatever you think of that, personally, I think it's disgusting, but whatever you think of that, you have to be careful because <coughs> the, the, the responses, I mean, whether he was just counting the, the responses to his post, in that case, he was, he was sort of quite happy, but the, the responses were vitriolic, right? And, and that is, is, is damaging your reputation, right? And if you can't say anything good, don't say it, okay? Be careful what you say. I saw one law firm that posted that they were supporting a gay pride march. That's fine if they want to support a gay pride march. But they had a backlash from customers that didn't support gay pride, right? And I said to him, why, why say it? If you want to support it, support it. Well, don't publicize it because it's it's you're going to upset a part of your market, right? And it's not worth it anyway. Well, unless it 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 the, you, your messaging must be you must stick to the script. I think that's pro that's probably what you're saying. And 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 if there's a topic or there's a there's there's something that that's out there, whether it's controversial or not, and it's not relevant to exactly. what you are doing, exactly. Just, 
don't go there because you you you're creating conversations you know what it's like when in a sales conversation mark where 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 you go off topic and you spend the other let's say you were given an hour hour and a half for for you know for a sales meeting like we used to do in the old days now it's like 15 minute sales meeting you know yeah. do you want to anyway so you 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 waste most of the time there with some non-issue topic and unless you're skilled enough to bring the conversation back to the reason why you are there it's You've really just it. a waste of time isn't it so and you know so it's it's an it's an old school skill but it's a, it it's it needs to be applied these days in a different way and and just because you can doesn't mean you should no in other words don't if just because you can voice an opinion about something doesn't mean you should yeah, no, no. So I mean, you know, um, sort of universities these days are looking at everybody's social media, right? Before they make offers for university places, and it's part of their research process. That's exactly the way a lot of customers work. If if you're if you're pitching to them or trying to sell to them, they will look at you, right? I had one client that um, he'd got a number of employees, and but he'd got a key employee in the business. Now, he was very early stage, but um, I looked at his profile and it was okay. Didn't say much about what he did, right? He didn't have a company page, so there was no link to a company page. Um, but it said he ran this business and these were his employees. And so um, I looked at his employees. And one of them said, I'm a qualified personal trainer. That was his opening line. <laughs> <one. laughs> and I, I said to the guy, you know, that's the wrong message. And he said, well, he is. And I said, it doesn't matter. What are you trying to do? You're trying to build a profile of your business as professional, right? Whether he's a great personal trainer or not is irrelevant, okay? Um, you're trying to send a message to the market that you are focused, professional, you can deliver, right? And this is how your team works. And, and that doesn't do it. And, you know, I mean, you had to dig to get to his employee, but I know clients that dig all the time. Just keep having a look, see what they can find, see what the issues are, right? So whatever information you've got out there, it has to be, as you said, congruent to what you're trying to do. So, yes, yeah, so, so reputation management is massively important. Sorry, you were going to say, Mark? I was going to say we are frontly on the same page, Dudley. Do you know that? Mark? It's really good news to know. We're not going to have a massive argument today about something. <laughs> um, no, Mark, thank you very much. I think uh, we're coming to to the end of the hour. And what, what I'd like to um, to do is invite you now, if, if you'd like, uh, just share maybe one or two final sort of takeaway ideas on that. And then sort of let, let's talk about how do people get hold of you? What's the best way to engage with you? And, and what kind of people are you looking to speak to? Okay. Well, takeaways, talk to your customers. Whatever business you're in, talk to your customer. Listen to your customer. Okay. Um, I, I can't stress it enough. You you find out exactly what's happening and, and why you need to change. Um, in terms of getting in touch with me, um, it's you can get me on LinkedIn. Mark Plant at LinkedIn. There's there's Mark Plant me, and there's a kitchen designer. So don't go to the kitchen designer unless you want a kitchen. Um, but um, re feel reach out. I post regularly. Um, love lots of feedback. Some of it agrees with me. Some of it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. But um, if you want to reach out and contact me on LinkedIn, then then do that. Um, yeah, I'd look forward to talking to you. Ah, fantastic, uh, Mark. Thank you very much. And and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again in, in, in another few months. Um, we want to touch base and, and see where you're at and what your latest projects are and, and so on. Um, but it's been fascinating. Thank you very, very much for for sharing some of your time, your ideas, uh, and, and obviously an enthusiastic... Um, it's, been an I, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I Thank you it. for the invitation. And uh, yes, this time we we made it all the way to the end, um, technology yeah. wise. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah. So uh, yes, yeah, so, so thank you. 
So thank you. Do you mind if just sticking on the line just for a minute? I just want to say goodbye to the audience and then I'll, I'll have a chat to you now. Okay, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us for uh, another episode of uh, our fractional CMO marketing leadership um, podcast, where we speak to marketing leaders. We speak to people who have been there, done that. And, and especially people like Mark, Mark Plant, who's, who's, uh, just a an encyclopedia uh, of of knowledge and experience and and really just practical stuff that um, uh, you know that you can really only know if you've been in it and and you've dealt with multiple um, uh, scenarios in which marketing business development growing companies and all the stuff that goes in with that including the people and and the relationships and all the nuances in terms of growing and developing a business. So please get in touch with Mark. It'd be it'd be great uh, conversation to have. And, and if you do want to, you're welcome to engage with him. Thank you for uh, uh, tuning in to another uh, Fractional CMO Marketing Leadership Podcast. And we'll see you on the, on the next episode. Goodbye.